We are so glad that you are here. He is risen. Oh, man, it never gets old. It never gets old to say that. We join with millions and millions of Christians around the world today that are celebrating the resurrection. We join with thousands and thousands of your fellow hopesters that are worshiping right now across the metro area in five campuses to celebrate the reality that our God is alive. And he has brought every single one of us into this place today for a very specific reason to hear the greatest news the greatest news that the world could ever experience i don't know if you've noticed the grave's empty he's not here as the angel said that day and he's not there because he's right here and he could not be more close to you than he is today almost like he's here and i want you to feel his hand right on your shoulder just as his hand touched the shoulder of mary that one that first easter morning in the tomb when he says, Mary, and he says your name this morning, his hand is right on your shoulder. He is very, very close to every single one of us. It's this truth that we've sung about. It's the reason that, that we exist as a, a church. It's the reason we sing. It's the reason we pray. It's the reason that one of our many talented uh, artists from Hope Des Moines, Sarah Burrier, is over here uh, doing some chalk uh, artwork for us, just whatever God lays on her heart. I don't know what it's going to be. It could be a, a barnyard with some pigs. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, we'll, we'll see, and we'll, we'll discover as it goes along, but you can watch how that turns out as well. Be sure to check that out after the end of the service as well. If you think about it, there's no way that we can celebrate Easter just once a year. Easter is not a once-a-year thing. It's not just a, a one-Sunday-a-year thing. It's, it's, it's life-altering. It's life-changing. Death didn't win. The grave didn't win. Sin, your sin doesn't win. Jesus wins. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the gospel. And yet, far too often, far too often, including even days like today, even on Easter, it is a power that you and I, seem to underestimate. And so I want to start the message today with a question that you have probably never heard asked in a church building, that you have never heard a pastor ask, and you will probably near, never hear a pastor ask again for the rest of your life. And this question is just for the guys. Guys, if you're out there, just say, ugh. All right, good. So all of you guys that are there, I have a question for you. Guys, size me up. Just size me up right now, okay? Just kind of take a good look. About 6'1", 1, 2-something, one, 200-something, you know, just, just size me up, guys. Just get, I'm serious, just get a good look at your pastor here. Just get a, get a good look. Just size me up. Here's my question for you. Got a, got a good look? If you and I were to get in a fight, that's about all you need to hear, right? If you and I were, if you and I were to get in a fight, if you and I, guys, were to get into a knockdown drag out brawl like i we meet behind in the alley behind the church right right after the service if you and i were get into a fight could you beat me up do you think you could take okay i didn't even <laughs> it's not how i was expecting that to go i will now invite you to raise your hand guys if you think you could take me just raise your hand don't be bashful don't be lutheran or norwegian just raise your hand guys do you think that you could take me just nice and high so i can see him Oh, come on. There's more guys out there. Anybody up? To, okay. The, yep, the loft is good. Okay. This is a little disappointing. I expe I'm not really that strong. You don't, you don't need to overestimate what you got. I, I didn't want to do this, but guys, you let me down. Guys, keep your hands up, those of you. 
guys, you let me down, and I didn't want to do this. But ladies, now ladies, raise your hand. Go ahead. Jeez, now all the hands come up, right? My wife has her hand up, for pity's sakes. What? Wow, good thing we dismissed the kids already. This could get really ugly. Just hold them up again. Just loud and proud. Okay, okay let me just kind of look around the room here. Let me, let me think. Rick, no? No? Okay, good. No, you could? Okay. Scott, yeah, you probably could. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I've seen you work out. Yeah, good. Yep, um, yep. No, keep them up. I want to see. Keep them up. Del, yep, Della, Steve in the back. Yep, for sure. Yep, yep. Susan, I don't know. It'd be a pretty good fight. Uh, did we, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ooh, yeah, I'm a little intimidated by you. Don't look at me like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Bob, yep, yep, for sure. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I get it. I get it, okay? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's okay if you underestimate my power, okay? I'm not intimidated by that. It's fine. You, you're not going to hurt my feelings or anything like that. It's not dangerous to underestimate my power. Here's what is dangerous. Quite possibly the most dangerous thing in the world is to underestimate the power of Jesus Christ. Is to underestimate the power of the resurrection. And you and I do that all the time. And when we underestimate Jesus' power, you and I, we get out our little Jesus box. Every single one of us has one. And whatever preconceived notions or ideas that you have of Jesus, you want him to fit inside your little box. This is what my Jesus is like. And if he doesn't fit in that box, well then, I don't want anything to do, to do with him. But when we underestimate the power of Jesus, we say, well, this is my current understanding of Jesus. This is my current understanding of the church. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can tell me this historical story that some dude rose from the grave. But it's not going to change anything. Because I have this idea of who Jesus is. But I want you to know this morning, primarily, <laughs> this isn't a churchy thing. This isn't a religious thing. It's everything. If you let it. It can be everything. It can be life-changing for you. I love how the Apostle Paul is writing it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read this together, and this is my heart for you. This is my heart to you this morning on this Easter. Let's read it together as loud as you can up on the screen. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Of first importance, not second or third or when I get around to it or when it's convenient, of first importance, not once a year on a holiday, not just, I want you to know this morning, I'm not telling you this because I'm a pastor and it's my job. I'm telling you this because I'm putting myself in the shoes of the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter. And at the time that he's writing this, he probably knows, I don't have a lot of time left. I'm being hunted down for sharing my faith, and I don't know how many years, how many months, I don't know how many days I have left. So let me just tell it to you straight, Paul says. This is very, very important, and you have to get this. And I feel the same way. Why of everybody in this room today, am I the one that gets to stand up and yak at you for a while? And if I had anything to tell you, because life is very fragile. It's very fragile. And I don't know how much time I have left. And I can't think of anything else I'd rather say, not as your pastor, but as your friend that desperately wants you to know the good news. Christianity at its core, Easter at its core, the gospel at its core is very, very simple. There is a God that loves you this morning. 
There is a God that loves you. Quite possibly the most famous verse in all of Scripture, and it means way more. I know you see it tattooed and painted on people's bodies at the football game. Some shirtless guy is John 3.16. You're like, oh, I've heard it before. Do you know the power of that verse? For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave you, that he gave you his one and only son. So that you would not have to experience not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. Yes, we are all going to die, but that doesn't have to be the end. It's a gift. Easter is very simple. Christianity is very simple. And I know it gets political. And I know it gets messy. And some of you don't want anything to do with it this morning. But if you don't hear me say anything else, hear this. There is a God who loves you, and he has given you the gift of his son. Salvation is not something that you earn by being pure enough, or good enough, or holy enough, or moral enough, or religious enough. Salvation is something that is given to you by God's grace. It's a gift, and he wants you to receive it this morning. It's not a religious thing. It's not a churchy thing. It's everything. And if you'll dig a little bit deeper than the surface today, I know it's Easter, and you've got your cute little dress on, or your new shirt, or whatever it is, and you've got the Easter egg bunny, and, and you've got the, the Easter supplies that have been at Walmart since January. You've, you, you've got all this stuff going on. There's a lot of distractions, right? There's coffee, and there's juice, and there's flowers, and there's clothes, and there's donut holes. Look past all that. I know it's Lutheran Church of Hope. They're that big mega church that's taking over the world. But if you peel back the curtain, you'll know the deepest desire of our heart is that this morning that you would know Jesus. That you would know Jesus. That there is a God that loves you, and he's not dead, he's alive. I want you to remember that this morning. I, I want you to breathe that in in the same power that the women experienced at the grave that first Easter morning. Might, you might just come face to face with that this morning. And that's where we begin our story on that first Easter morning. I want you to picture yourself there. It's, it's a very common day. It's a Sunday morning. It's, it's really early in the morning and the sun is just starting to come up over the mountains been a pretty eventful week in Jerusalem. This garden tomb holds who we thought was the king. The sun's just coming up and the dew is fresh on the grass and two women start walking towards the tomb. We, we read in Matthew 28 that they start walking towards the tomb and two of Jesus' closest friends and followers, Mary has come to the tomb and here her friend and who she thought was her savior Jesus just a couple days before, has been brutally murdered on an old Roman cross. He hung there. He died, no doubt about it. And he was placed in that tomb. And so she comes, and she comes walking to the tomb, and when you go to a graveyard, you go expecting to find death. But she didn't find death. Instead, she found an angel. And that angel says these words, and I want you to hear this. <laughs> the angel says, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus. They came looking, expecting to find death, and they found life. And I think if we're not careful, we can do the exact same thing. Because I want to ask you a question this morning. What did you come expecting? What did you come 
looking for? You, you, you walk up to the grave. What, what, did you, what did you come to Easter morning expecting? Because I think if we're not careful, we can approach this whole person of Jesus, and we can approach this whole idea of church as expecting not a lot of life, not a lot of hope. Isn't the church in decline? Isn't there just controversy after controversy about religion and Jesus, and he's so polarizing? Some of you came expecting to find that this morning. A church that's full of hypocrites. Well, you're right, we are. There's a church full of great sinners with a great Savior. Lutheran Church of Hope isn't a museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. So welcome to the club. Welcome to hope. But maybe that hasn't been your experience. Maybe you came on Easter morning expecting death expecting no life, expecting no passion, especially, especially not expecting this to have anything to do with your life. Because you might say, I've been burned by the church. I've had a bad experience. I've been deeply wounded, and I want nothing to do with that. And, and to some extent, I don't blame you. The church has hurt a lot of people. But Jesus calls himself the groom, and us, the church, his bride. And he died for his bride. And she's still beautiful. She is worth dying for. And he's not given up on us yet. Not if the empty grave has anything to say about it. We're, we're all here today for a lot of different reasons, I'm sure. Looking for different things. For some of you, you came because, well, Easter is a family tradition and this is just what you do. It's what we got to do to move on. Some of you were drug here against your will. And if that's you, I feel you. I'm a pastor's kid. And for most of my childhood, I was drug to church. I was drug to confirmation. I was drug to Sunday school. We live 20 feet in the parsonage right next to the church. There are still skid marks on the sidewalk from my shoes because I did not want anything to do with it. Church is boring, church is irrelevant. Jesus must be boring. Jesus must be irrelevant. We could not be more wrong. We could not be more wrong. No matter why you're here today, what did you come hoping to find? Well, if you're anything like the women that morning in the tomb, you're going to get a lot more than you thought. You're going to get a lot more than you thought. More than just a little inspiration, more than I'm going to come to church and just get a little guidance, more than I'm going to come and drop my kids off and hope that they have a nice little moral upbringing. You're going to get a lot more than that. You might just get something that could change your life. But we don't think about it that way. You're saying, oh, Pastor John, that's great and everything, but it's 2015. I'm busy. There's so much other noise. There's so much other clutter. There's so much other distractions in this world. I'm just too busy, and, and, and I'm telling you this. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want anything to do with his church. We could sit up here, and we could argue, and we could debate theology, and we could debate history. We could debate whether the resurrection happened, and I, I challenge you to do that. Don't check your head at the door. Do the research. <laughs> the evidence speaks to an empty tomb. You can argue with a lot of things if that's what you want to do, but there's one thing you can't argue with, that grave's empty. That grave is empty. And Jesus comes face to face with us this morning and says, 
whether you like it or not, you got to deal with the fact that the grave is empty. You can't just leave it there. Either Easter changes everything or Easter changes nothing. There's one thing that Easter cannot be, and that is minimally important. It's either everything or it's nothing. It changes everything. Have you ever wondered what would it be like right now here in 2015 if this whole Easter morning would have happened today? There's some graveyard here in Des Moines. And the Messiah came to Des Moines, Iowa. And we're all downcast and downtrodden because we lost this man we thought was our Savior. And so you're sitting wherever you are today, and you've got your smartphone. How would you respond as if you had heard this news for the very first time? You may want to get out your phone and check it, because I think God has a message for you. Let's take a look. How often do you get a text message on your phone and go, I'll get to it later? Don't do that this morning. Whatever you do, don't do that. Don't wait. Don't say, I'll get to it later, because when is later going to be? Easter Eve changes everything or it changes nothing. Is that how you would respond today if you got that text message? Or would you say, I'm too busy? I got all these other priorities in my life. I got to shuttle the kids around. I got to finish school. I got to get a new job. I got to find that house. I got to move forward in my life. I got to climb the ladder at work. I'm too busy. You can wait. But if somebody was offering you the invitation to life, what you've always been looking for, you don't tell them to wait. If you think about it, Easter changes everything. And I was trying to think, what's a very practical, down-to-earth way that we can, we can understand this a little bit more? Let me just see a show of hands. Not, I don't want you to beat me up again. Just parents. Parents. If you are parents, just raise your hand of any age kids. A lot of us, right? Parents. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, okay? For you as parents. Do you remember the day that you brought home your first child from the hospital? You remember that day? Yeah, quite a few of you. How, how fast did you drive home from the hospital? 15 miles over the speed limit or 30 miles under the speed limit, if you're like me, right? How many 12-hour uh, nights of sleep did you get the first month that you had that baby? Um, how, how clean is your house? you're anything like me, it's a disaster right now, right? Let me ask you this. How, uh, how many nice, quiet, romantic evenings did you and your spouse have that first month with an infant in the house, right? In other words, two years ago, <laughs> when that doctor placed that 7-pound, 12-ounce bundle of joy in my arms for the first time, everything changed. Everything changed. And in that moment, I had two options. Number one, I could pretend like nothing had ever happened and that I was not responsible now for another human life. <laughs> I could say, Tiffany, you know, I don't really feel like being a dad. I'm a little tired right now. And boy, you know what she'd say. Um, she's a little tired too. I'd I just say, oh, I, don't, I don't really feel like being a dad. 
I'm not really going to do this whole parent thing. I don't feel like it today. It does, it's not convenient when they get up four times in the night. I don't really feel like doing this. Or I could accept the gift that we'd received, and I could reorient my entire life based around this new reality. When your kids are young, they can't be an afterthought. Well, hopefully ever, they won't be an afterthought, right? But they don't feed themselves. They don't change themselves. I can't say, I'm going to be a dad on Sundays. But the rest of the week, honey, you're on your own. Because I don't feel like it. Because it's not convenient. Because it doesn't fit my schedule. I have to reorient my life around this now. I am a full-time dad. I am always going to be a father. Parents, you can attest to this. Once a parent, always a parent, right? Whether they're 6 or 60. Once a parent, always a parent. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, this is my new identity. This is the gift that has been given to me, and I have to change. I cannot stay the same. And in the same way, when that gift of that baby is placed in your arms, we have received the gift of God's love, the power of his love for you this morning. And you cannot stay the same. If this is true, you cannot walk out of this building this morning the same way that you came. If you've ever doubted what could be overcome for you, look no further than the tomb. If you go back to the story, we read in verse 2 that there was a violent earthquake (laughs) that shook the whole land. And there was an angel that appeared that looked like lightning. It says, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. That stone, that heavy stone, I'm trying to think, you know, I could have just grabbed a little rock from outside. I could have made just a little paper mache rock this morning, but I instead I had decided to raid our landscaping outside the church. <laughs> this is real. These are extremely heavy. That, uh, that stone was supposed to be the definitive sign that Jesus had lost. It's over. It's done. These stones were supposedly supposed to weigh between one and two tons, which that one doesn't, but it's still heavy. That's two to four thousand pounds. And we read that when the women came to the tomb, an angel had not only rolled back the stone that is impossible to move, they say, but he's sitting on it. I imagine that the angel's sitting there sipping a lemonade, sitting in a lawn chair. Can you imagine the discussion that took place with Jesus and this lucky angel up in heaven? And they're kind of planning out the whole resurrection thing, and Jesus says, okay, Bob the angel, or whatever your name is, This is a special task for you. When I do the whole, like, kick death in the face thing and rise from the grave, here's your thing. I don't want you to just roll the stone back. I want you to just sit right on it. It's like when a comedian has a really good joke and they just drop the mic and walk off. This is the mic drop of all mic drops. It's like when you score the winning touchdown at the end of the Super Bowl and the player goes and they spike the football. Not only did they score, but they're saying, boom, as if there was any doubt who has the power. There's no doubt, Jesus says, I have the power to overcome anything in your life. It is the exclamation point of all exclamation points. There's an angel sitting on death. And he sits on your death this morning as if an appearance like lightning wasn't enough. 
And I don't know what that image says to you, but it says to me that there's nothing that Jesus can't overcome in your life. And only you know what those things are. I don't know, but he knows. Whatever it is that you came walking in with this morning, what's impressive about Easter is not the weight of that stone. What's impressive is what that stone represents, because if we're honest this morning, if we just quiet our hearts and minds, we will realize that every single one of us has some stones, has some rocks that need to get rolled away in our lives. What does that represent for you this morning? What is that thing in your life? What is that barrier? What is it that stands in the way between you and a relationship with God? One that's not cheesy, one that's not hokey, one that's not boring, one that's not, uh, you know, wounding you or whatever your experience with church has been. What is the stone that's getting in the way for you this morning? And yeah, I could have made some little paper mache rocks, but these are heavy. (laughs) These are about 60, 65 pounds each, so I hope I make it through the rest of the sermon. But they're heavy because the things that get in the way of us and God are heavy. And so back from the prop room, we find the first stone for some of us, and it's our past. And it's, it's really heavy. <laughs> for some of you, it's last year. It's what happened 10 years ago. For some of you, it happened way back in childhood. It's your alcoholic father. It's that big mistake that you made in college the people that you can't forgive that have hurt you. It's the fact that you can't forgive yourself for what you've done. It's your sin. It's your guilt. It's your shame. It's your baggage. It's your past. This is really, really heavy right now. I'm sweating. Somebody get me a towel. Um, some of you are saying, John, you, you know you can let this go. <laughs> you know you could just drop it. <laughs> You know you don't have to carry it around forever. Just drop it already. Just let it go. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, yes, that's what I'm saying to you this morning. You don't have to carry it any longer. It's been overcome, so just drop it. Just let it go already and let the past be the past. Jesus says, look at that stone and understand that I have overcome your past. There's nothing I can't overcome in your life. Let me heal your heart. But for some of you, it's not just the past. You're saying, John, it's not just the past, it's, <laughs> it's my present. Some of you don't realize it, but the stone that needs to get rolled away in your life today is the stone that says lost. And I don't mean lost as in, well, you've lost your faith or you don't believe anymore, but just some of you are disconnected. Some of you feel so far away from God today. And you're like, I don't know how that's going to change. And that one's really heavy too. <laughs> I just feel lost. I just, I just, I just feel disconnected. I, I, I can't remember the last time that I prayed. And even if I did pray, you say, I, I don't even know if God would want to hear from me. Doesn't he have better things to do? I can't remember the last time I opened my Bible. I can't remember the last time I stepped into a church service. Some of you just feel so out of place here, like a fish out of water. Oh, you're welcome here. You belong here. 
And if you're feeling lost and far away from God, if you're feeling disconnected from him today, know this, he never left. Maybe this Easter it's time to come home. Some of you have been wandering and wandering and wandering. And it's time to come home. You got so busy with life. You went to college and you graduated and you got that job and you got married and you had kids and you got busy with work and kids and life. And one day, maybe recently, or one of these days, it's going to catch up to all of us. You're going to wake up and you're going to say, where is my life headed? <laughs> what is the point of all this? Is there more to life than this? Oh, yeah. Because Jesus comes and says, if you lost your way, I'm the way. If you're looking for truth in this life, I am the truth. And if you are constantly looking to fill that need for satisfaction and pleasure in your life, Jesus says, look no further. I am the life. Jesus can remove your disconnectedness. He can overcome that. But last but not least, for some of you saying, you know, there's, John, there's nothing terrible going on in my life. I don't have any baggage from my past, really. I, I'm not feeling lost or disconnected today. You're right. But it's this third stone that might just be the most dangerous. Because for a lot of you, you're sitting there today and you're saying, this is great and all, this is fun, but I'm fine. quite possibly the most dangerous word today, I'm fine. It's your apathy. Some of you are saying, I cannot wait till this guy is done talking. I cannot wait till this church service is done so I can move on with my life and get on with real life. Because frankly, you can have your church services, but I'm just not a very spiritual person. I've never been a very religious person. John is just not who I am. I don't care. And I'm not saying people that don't believe. I'm saying for those of us that you've been coming to Easter your entire life, this is it for you this morning. Do you know that Easter is still for you? Whether this is your 50, 60, 70th, 80th Easter, it's still for you. And I hope that it can be brand new for you. Because for a lot of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, unfortunately, Easter has been reduced to, oh, that's nice. That was a nice service today. That was cute. And I'm here today with some really good news. That Jesus didn't go to that cross and rise from that grave to make bad people nice. He rose from the grave to make dead people come to life. And he can do that for you this morning. It doesn't have to be fine. You don't have to go through your life lost or disconnected or burdened by the past. And you can care more than care. You can thrive. You don't have to just survive life. Jesus says, get a life. <laughs> Not sarcastically, but he's pleading with you, get a life. Right now, here today. That's the brick for some of us. But you'll notice there's one more up there. Some of you are like, these people just need to get over it. These people probably just need to be more religious. Not true. Well, you just need to try harder. There's a stone up there that we can't overcome. There's a stone up there that no matter how hard you try, 
we will never be able to defeat it. No matter what rock is standing in the way, there is a a stone up there that at some point in our lives, we are faced with the reality that we see every day in the world around us. Maybe in your own families, maybe in, in your own friend circles, and this is This is the one that we'd rather not deal with. It's the one that I'd rather not deal with because it's really heavy right now. At some point, we got to deal with the reality that one day, one day, death comes for us all. Not in a morbid sense, but I just want you to think about it. How many, how many years do you have left? <laughs> 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5? A member of our congregation a couple months ago get told, well, that you have cancer. And you've either got a year or a week. So good luck. Death stares us in the face. And you can't move this. You can't roll that stone away on your own. No matter how rich you are, no no matter how poor you are, no matter how good of a Christian you think you are, no matter how religious you are, no matter how good your church attendance is, no matter how much is in your checking account, no matter how much uh, credit cards you have, no matter what your titles and your positions, no matter how big your house is or your car is, or whether you care or not, death stares us in the face. And by ourselves, we're done. It's over with end of story. That's why you go to a lot of funerals, and there is no hope. Do you know that you can go to a funeral and have excruciating grief, and yet there can be deep hope right in the midst of it? That's possible because there's one who's defeated death. This got really personal for me. Some of you are like, oh, that's great, John. You know, you're just rubbing it in our face and trying to give us the shock factor here. This isn't a shock factor. This is real life. I'm sitting with my arm around a young man in his 30s around my age that is mourning the loss of his dad. This was a couple weeks ago. His dad just, his dad collapsed. 65 years old. And we're sitting and we're talking and he's pouring out his heart <laughs> to me, and so we hug, and then this strong, independent, successful young businessman who on the outside is everything is great, everything is fine. And then life just throws this giant curveball at him, and he collapses into my arms, weeping, and he says, John, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do because my dad was my rock. And I don't know where I can turn now. He was the strongest man that I knew. And if he can't defeat death, then what am I going to (laughs) do? Oh, we are not as strong as we think we are. We're just a bunch of little kids walking around in grown-up bodies. We need rescue. We, we need help. <laughs> we need more than help. We need a rescue overcoming our sin, our death, and all these other things, all these other stones that get in the way. And if you calm your heart, if you quiet down and you start looking at the world around you, you realize this story is everywhere. 
Hollywood knows it. Movies know it. And if you watch closely in every single movie that you love, there is a hero that when we could not defeat whatever it is that we need to defeat, a hero comes and saves the day. Open up your heart and look at these films in a brand new way. Let's take a look. This is the greatest epic of all time. You ever wonder why we love those movies so much? You ever wonder why they grip us like none other? <laughs> because deep down inside we know it. We need a savior. And Jesus says, you can throw anything at me that you want. You, I, I'm not intimidated by any of that this morning. But my grace will always be stronger than your past. My love is closer than you think this morning. And my love, the power of my love, can overcome even the fact that you don't care. It's that strong that it can change your heart. And because of that, I am staring into the face of this 34-year-old young man who's just lost his dad. And I say, Daniel, listen to me. Listen to me. You may have lost your dad, but you will never be alone. Daniel, I want you to know, I want you to know today that Jesus did not take your dad from you. Death took him. And Jesus takes death because he is the resurrection and the life. God didn't tap Jesus on the shoulder and say, okay, now go on with it. Jesus willingly, he went out into the battlefield to meet your sin and your death and the power of hell. And now he says, oh, death, where is your sting? You have no power. There is nothing, there is nothing in your life that he cannot overcome. The power of his love is that strong. Everything, everything changes. And he's looking right at you this morning. <laughs> Sarah, that's beautiful. Praise God. He's looking right at you. <laughs> and if you, uh, if you need any more proof this morning, just look around you really quick. No, I'm serious. Look, those of you that just look around you. I know it's awkward, but just give somebody an awkward smile right now. Just look around you. There's resurrection all around you. You're looking at a bunch of miracles. Yes, this is a miracle, but you're looking at them this morning. I don't do this very often, but this is where it hits home. This is where it gets real. I don't do this very often, but I want to just read for you uh, just a few snippets of some emails and letters people from this congregation, this church, people sitting around you here this morning, they wrote, Dear John, I can honestly say for my entire adult life, I saw church as a place to consume, to get what I needed, until Jesus got a hold of me. And I realized that I've been missing out on the real thing this whole time. Dear Pastor John, I wanted to let you know how much it means to us to have a place where we can come and our seriously disabled son is loved and just gets to be one of the kids. One of our many guests, guests that those of you who rode on the bus from the shelters this morning, one of you wrote me and said, 
Pastor, I gotta be honest. At first, I came for the bacon. <laughs> but, now, but now I come because I've never been so loved. I've never been so loved right in the middle of my recovery and my addiction. Another one writes, Dear John, until this past year, I never realized that I have never forgiven myself for the biggest mistake in my life. And now I can honestly say that Jesus is healing my heart. There's nothing that he can't overcome. So why not for you? What's your story? What stone needs to get rolled away? As we watch this final video, look into the eyes of Jesus. He's looking right at you this morning. Take heart. He knows your name. And there's nothing he can't overcome. Let's take a look. He knows your name. He knows your name. And he's looking right at you this morning. He's saying, you've got to come back. Oh, we're just getting started now. I've rocked your world. I've rolled the stone away. I've gotten rid of anything that could possibly be in the way today. You belong with me. That's what Christian means. It means in Christ. And your Savior says, you belong with me. Not just one day a year. Not just on Sundays. Every day. This is what I created you for. To live life with me. We're just getting started. The party is just getting started. And you're going to want to come back next week. You're going to want to be here next week. I'm going to be here next week. And I want to see you here next week. Because we're just getting started. He is risen. Amen?